Hi, I'm Greta. Hi, I'm Millie. And you're listening to The Books We Meet in the Library. A bookish podcast about reading and the book community. Millie, what are you currently reading? So I'm currently reading a brand new YA fantasy release called Lost Kingdom by Laurel Black. Um, I got an early release copy of it. However, the book has already been out and I'm still only on the first five chapters. So I'm making my way through this book, still in the beginning phases. I love that for you. I am also in the beginning phases of the books I'm currently working on. You're going to ask me the question, so I'm just going to answer it anyways. (laughs) (laughs) This transitions, I try to like do good transitions. Um, I'm currently reading um, I'm a Fan by Sheena Patel. Um, I'm like 11 pages into the book and allegedly, according to Goodreads, that is roughly like 22% of the way in, which is crazy to me. Um, but oh my God, this book is incredible. Our protagonist is fucking psychotic and I'm so here for it. And I'm also reading um, Eileen by Otessa Moshfeg. I believe that is how you say the author's name. Okay, so I picked this up because um, there's a movie coming out and it's got Anne Hathaway in it and I love Anne Hathaway. I'm reading this book on audiobook. I've had to restart it. I'm going to restart it because there's so much that I need to pick up on that I as like as audiobook I just haven't picked up on so I'm, bo- I'm very excited about both of these books Ooh, nice I figured you would like I'm a fan because it sounds really unhinged girl it is unhinged I have never read a book where I'm like like literally what is like this character is psycho and I fucking love her and I want like I'm literally only like 11 pages in and I already want to like shake her and be like for the love of god get over this man but I also want to continue the messiness so I'm so (laughs) like she's psycho we're recording at a different time than usual so we usually record at night yeah um and today we're actually recording in the middle of the day and you think that that would mean that we are full of energy but we're still trying to wake up i woke up i replied to millie's text i walked my dog and now i'm here (laughs) so yeah we are just getting through the day so we're gonna start off just being a little bit chaotic and talking about books and waking up with y'all so bear with us literally yeah i had a granola bar for breakfast so that's that's where i'm currently at in life (laughs) Okay, so what stuff. book are we actually going to be talking about here? Today, we are talking about Talking at Night, ironically enough, by Claire Daverly. So Very you were the one who recommended this book um, for us to read. We were trying to pick a romance yes. book um, mm-hmm. and do something like, I guess, a little bit different than the typical, like, happy cheesy romantic comedy um and this Mm -hmm. one definitely was a different tone and atmosphere um so as a reminder this is going to be a spoiler full cover to cover review of the book so if you haven't read the book and you want to read it come back to this podcast after you do so um because we're going into full spoiler territories and there are a lot of spoilers in this book from the very get-go Yes, everything happens very quickly. Um, a little bit about this book and how I came about it. Um, I saw that it was it was a uh, released last year, 
and there was a lot of hype around it. Um, and I knew that it was going to be romance just based on the cover and the title, but that's all I knew going into it. I read it on audiobook. Did you read it on ebook? I did audiobook. I DNF'd this book a couple times and I finally finished it. So I'm very happy <laughs> to have finally check that off my list. You have a habit of recommending books that you DNF, which is wild because I'm just like, why would you recommend a book that you're not entirely sure if it's an even good book? Make it make sense, homie. Because it's just not the right time. Um, I find myself that I, I think... I think I'm what people call a mood reader and there's so many books that I want to read um, and sometimes they're just it's not like the right time I'm either not in the right headspace or I'm not like like it's just not the right time for me so um, I will start it off like I won't vibe with it right away and then I'll set it aside I literally have a category in my Goodreads shelf that's like on hold like I will get back or like put a pin in it or something like I will get back to this eventually but for the moment I'm not gonna continue um yeah and this was one of those books got it but i'm i'm happy that we went back to it and i'm happy that we're like here now so are we ready to start with these shenanigans all i'm saying is that the last time you recommended a book that you dnf'd four times it was throttled by lauren asher and i still have flashbacks to reading that book well let's just hope that this one was better for you yeah (laughs) let's hope i'm like giving you your least favorite book of the year again (laughs) Yeah, let's not do that, please. No, thank you. (laughs) Okay, so before we start, we're going to do the call pile rating system. So this was created by G from Book Roast. Um, So it's seven different categories. You rate them from one through ten. You add them up. You divvy it up. The average is your star rating. Um, So we have characters, atmosphere, writing, plot, intrigue, logic, and enjoyment. So one by one, we're going to go through what we rated each category and see what our final star ratings were for this book before we dive into a full discussion. Millie, what was your rating for character? So for character, I put nine. All right. I gave it an eight. What was your rating for atmosphere? Atmosphere, I gave it a 10. I gave it a seven. Um, What was your rating for writing? Okay. For writing, I also gave it a 10. I gave it a nine. What was your rating for plot? Plot was an eight. Plot was a seven for me. Intrigue? An eight. Intrigue was a seven for me. Logic? Okay, logic. I give it a nine. I gave it a six. (laughs) Enjoyment? Enjoyment, I gave it a nine. And I gave it a seven. Really, what was your overall star rating? (laughs) My overall star rating was exactly a 9.0, which is the lowest five star you can get. But I knew that this was going to be a five star book within the first 20% and I was right. Um, It's a five-star book for me. Oh my god, I love that you love it. Shut up. Um, My overall rating was a 7.2, which is a four-star. But to be completely honest with you, I am a three-star, four-star cusp. Um, We'll see how I sway after this conversation. (laughs) So this is really interesting because I, as soon as I started reading this book, I was like, oh, this is 100% a book that Greta would pick up. Like, it just seemed like the type of book you yeah. would like, the type of story you would like. Yeah. And it felt very much like melancholy teenager angst. And that's really yeah. your thing. Um, mm-hmm. And so I thought that you were going to really love this book and that I was going to be like so, so about it. And then it ended up being mm-hmm. the complete opposite, which was surprising because yeah. um, you finished it a couple of days before I did. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I could tell by your text messages that you felt very like lukewarm about it. But I was just mm-hmm. really liking it as I was reading it. So I was just like, I'm just not going to say anything. 
which is crazy. Um, I was incredibly concerned. So I finished it before you. I was incredibly concerned that you weren't going to like it. I'm not going to lie. That is, okay, honestly, that is my worst, biggest fear. Like, I'm either going to recommend that we read a book that is so absolutely deranged that it's like, we like it because it's so stupid crazy, or I'm going to recommend a book that I genuinely think you would like. This one, I was so scared to recommend because I did not know how you were going to feel about it. I knew that it had been compared to Normal People by Sally Rooney, and I liked that book. I actually think I gave it the same score as this one, um, the same rating. I liked that book, but I knew how like almost depressing and like sad it could be. Um, and when you were like, oh, let's read a romance, this is not the romance you've had in mind. And I knew that. So I was so scared. <laughs> so when I was reading it, I was like, oh, that's right. This is a sad fucking book. And here I am recommending it to Millie. And I was like, this is this is sad. I was like, I was so scared she's gonna fucking hate this book. So I am very pleasantly surprised. I prefer it when I don't like a book and you love it. That is my ideal episode combination. <laughs> so it's it's so funny because I also didn't think I was gonna like this book as much as I did. It definitely okay. is not the typical book that I would like. And okay. I've always said this before, and I'll say it again. It's really, really hard for me to like a book if I don't like the characters. But yes. if unlikable characters are just written so well that I can't help but to love the book. And that's kind of what happened in this situation. Because the yes. characters are um, infuriating majority of the time. But I just love the way that this book handled these character decisions. And I just had a good time, like, all the way through. So... Um, let's go into the nitty gritty here. Um, so the current Goodreads rating is a 4.04. Um, so more people were kind of aligned with your thought where this was like more of a, a clear four star book. Um, I went back to look at the reviews and I did see that a lot of people were compare comparing it to normal people. And I've never read that book either. And I didn't know anything about it. But a lot of people were comparing it and they basically were saying they enjoy normal people more. Going into the trigger warnings here. Um, this book definitely has a lot of trigger warnings. The last book discussion we had, that book had zero trigger warnings. Like, nothing. But this one has, like, everything. Um, so we have death of a loved one, grief, drinking, mental health, um, specifically depression, anxiety, and OCD, abandonment of a parent, and emotional abuse of a parent, as well as suicidal thoughts and previous attempts and eating disorders and diet culture. All right, and now for everyone's favorite part, let's do the Goodreads synopsis. Jesus Christ. Why did I sign up to do this part? I don't know how this happened. You volunteered and now you're stuck with it. No, yeah, it's just my destiny at this point. All right, the synopsis. <clears throat> Will and Rosie meet as teenagers. They're opposites in every way. She overthinks everything. He is her twin brother's wild and unpredictable friend. But over secret walk homes and late night phone calls, they become closer, destined to be one another's great love story, until one day tragedy strikes and their future together is shattered. But as the years roll on, Will and Rosie can't help but find their way back to each other. Time and time again, they come close to rekindling what might have been. 
What do you do when the one person you should forget is the one you just can't let go? Enter all of the 2007 teenage angst Tumblr era. Let's go. So moving on into our characters. Um, so we have our two main characters. We have Will, who's the male main character. He's the quote-unquote bad boy, but really just hashtag sad boy, who rides a motorcycle, uses little words, and has a mysterious troubled past. And then we have Rosie, who's our female main character. She's the Sandy to our Danny. And she's the epitome of a good girl who wants to be a musician and is consistently confused about life the entire book. Um, and then we have Josh, who is Rosie's twin brother, who is an overall sweet and funny guy who's liked by everyone, basically. Um, and then we have Marley, who's Rosie's best friend, just like typical teenage girl. Amber, who is Will's younger half-sister. And then we have two other parental roles. Will's grandmother, who basically raises Will and Amber after their mother abandoned them. And she is the goat. She is the greatest grandmother and guardian character of the story. And she's amazing. I will not accept any slander towards Will's grandmother. No, yeah, she's amazing. And then we have Rosie's mother, who's the opposite (laughs) of the goat, okay? Um, This woman needs the stick out of her ass. Like, she's terrible. What what could argue she might need a stick in her ass? (laughs) (laughs) We accept all Rosie's mother slander in this household. And then um, future characters later on in the book, we have Simon, who's Rosie's husband placeholder, who deserved better. And then we have Jane, Will's longtime girlfriend, who also deserved better. So I I like this book, but I have no problem roasting this book. All right. Sounds good. I'm very excited to go into it. So um, let's let's just jump right into it, into the summary. So this book is kind of split up into the before, the after, the after after, and a couple years later. <laughs> so I'll, I'll be covering the... Um, before and the after and then Millie will be talking about them at a later age so you're stuck with me for the beginning so story starts with Rosie and Will they are at a bonfire it's like an after um school year ended bonfire and they end up just spending the night kind of talking to each other after Rosie sings a song again Rosie is a musician we're introduced to Rosie and Will that way Cutscene, and we're back in school. Josh, who's Rosie's twin brother, is being tutored by Will. Will comes from a broken family. He has been kicked out of school before, but he is very good at math, which is just sidebar. We're introduced to um, kind of Will's family life, and his grandmother is so perfectly a grandmother in that she has no issue like picking on will she has no issue calling him out on his bullshit and will being like a 17 year old boy and super angsty with a motorcycle is just brooding and kind of rolls his eyes as everything his grandma says and she's like "Mm, one day you will learn a young one um we're also introduced to will's younger sister Amber, um, at this point in time, we don't know that she is his half-sister, but right now Amber is very, very young, and she's kind of just focused on getting her life together with her little, like, Hello Kitty stationery. Like, that's how we're kind of introduced to Amber. It's really, really sweet. We also get a little bit into 
Rosie's background. (laughs) And Rosie and Josh have a literal do-nothing absent father and the definition of an overbearing mother. It's incredibly obnoxious. In one of the first chapters, Rosie is like, oh, I'm gonna go on like, like Rosie's talking about like working out and going on a run. And she's doing it essentially because her mom is like, you need to lose weight. Her mom is incredibly obnoxious and overbearing. So because Josh is tutoring, no, sorry, because Will is tutoring Josh, um, Will is over at their house and there's a snowstorm. So Will is unable to go home. So he just ends up staying at Josh and Rosie's. (laughs) Rosie has been like locked up in her room the entire time, like not has not come in contact with them at all. Will is asleep on the couch when Rosie, in like the middle of the night, wanders down the stairs and sees him there. Um, They end up having another night of talking to each other while eating a bowl of cereal. It's very cute little kind of touch and go interactions with them. Some time passes and Rosie and Will confess that they like each other. Um, But Rosie is so determined of getting into Oxford. She really has no time for Will. And Will kind of agrees that they will remain friends. And whenever she is ready, um, if situation like is better, then they will, you know, end up revisiting the potential of a relationship. This part is so absolutely charming. There's a section in the book where Will is like texting Rosie and he's telling her about the runs that he goes on and he kind of like is like oh yeah there's like this really cool lighthouse with like that has really cool sunsets and Rosie's like okay that's great and then Will's like you should meet me there and then Rosie's like why and then Will's like I don't know (laughs) but you should meet me there it's so painfully awkward and it does a really good job at like explaining these like awkward kind of teenage romances everything kind of starts to change when one night Josh confesses to Rosie that he is gay and that he likes Will. Um, This comes after Josh is kind of talking to Rosie like, hey, what's going on between you and Will? And Rosie's like, uh, nothing, nothing's going on between me and Will. Why do you ask? And then Josh confesses. Things between Josh and Rosie kind of change a little bit. Rosie has typically spoken about Josh, her twin brother, as them being incredibly close. Um, they finish each other's sentences. They're like insanely close. Um, after this, Josh is kind of in a process of like finding himself and finding out what coming out means to him. So there's a bit of like a kind of a break between their relationship. With that being said, Rosie then decides to break things off with Will so to not hurt her brother. Um, <laughs> Will confronts Rosie since she is no longer talking to him. Um, Rosie, again, does not want to out Josh to Will. So she pretty much tells him the worst things she could possibly say. Um, for lack of better words, she pretty much tells Will like, hey, I can't be with you anymore because we're just like two different people like I don't want to associate myself with you we you know you're like a bad boy and I'm trying to get into Oxford and this is extra painful to Will because they had gone to a school dance together and Rosie's mom essentially went up to went up to Will and was like hey stop talking to my daughter she's too good for you you're scum of the earth so to Will Rosie is just kind of reiterating what her mom had previously said to him it's a mess they don't talk for a long time but it's will's birthday and so josh and rosie decide to go everything is 
totally fine. Everyone's drinking and having a great time. Josh, being the life of the party he is, is trying to give a speech. He gets up on a ledge, takes a wrong step, and falls off a cliff to his death. This part fucking shook me. I was like, what the fuck? Because, I mean, you're reading this, right? And you're like, okay, Josh is the only thing standing between Will and Rosie. How are we going to get rid of him? We're going to kill him? Excuse me? Authors are manipulative people, okay? That's all I got to say. They pull on our emotional heartstrings. That was so fucked up. Cuts into the funeral where Will is confronted by Rosie's mom again and pretty much tells him that Josh's death is his fault. It's disgusting. And this causes, obviously, an even bigger rift between Rosie and Will. So let's, like, take a moment to digest everything, because this yes. is the first, like, 30% of the book, mm-hmm. um, of just the whole teenage angst and them, like, falling for each other and then not being able to be together and then tragedy strikes. So at what point did you think something like this was going to happen in the book, like a reason why Will and Rosie couldn't be together. I really thought it was just going to be a lot of like class struggle that was going to be touched on. That's what I thought the biggest conflict was going to be. I didn't see Josh coming out as gay. Um, Like I didn't see that coming in the slightest. Um, (laughs) Whenever there was that reveal, I literally said, oh my God, gay son thought daughter. Like, (laughs) yeah, I was very taken back by it. Um, and I was like, oh, okay, so this is why Rosie and Will can't be together, added on top of the, um, class struggle situation, because they come from very different walks in life, um, and they're going, I mean, right now they're, like, 17, and they're about to go into uni, and so they're going into very different, you know, spaces in life. I thought that's what was going to be the big, like, dividing conflict between them. I didn't think that Josh was going to be the big rift between them for such a long part of the book, which is what I didn't like in the book. Mm, okay, so this is interesting, because you're going to hate me for this. Okay. Um... I knew that Josh was going to die before I even started the book. You're so annoying. How? In the summary. So in the summary, it's talking about how Will is her twin brother's wild and unpredictable friend. And oh. that a couple sentences later, it talks about one day tragedy strikes. And I was like, so okay, the, tra- the tragedy has to affect both of them. So it just makes sense that it's the one person they have in common, which is like Will's friend and Rosie's twin brother. So I was like, okay, tragedy means someone dies. So I was like, Josh is going to die. And then I spent the whole beginning of the book trying to predict how Josh was going to die exactly. Um, I did not predict on my bingo card that he was going to fall off a cliff. Um, I thought he was going to get into a car accident because they kept talking about how he is like drinking more and more. And so I mm-hmm. thought it was going to happen on the night they went to the dance because he was so mm. drunk and I thought he mm. was going to take the keys that Rosie had and like drive home or something like that. And that somehow like Will was going to be like a part of it. And because of this like shared loss, it's like mm-hmm. too much for them to like actually get together romantically. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was like chapter two when I started clocking. I was like, I think Josh is gay. Um, I was like, I think he's gay because of like the way that he was talking with Will I was just like, it's kind of like when someone likes their crush. And I was like, I think Josh is gay. 
That's amazing. Um, and I was just like, oh, this is extra juicy because Rosie's such a good sister. And the last thing she wants to do yeah. is hurt her brother. Yeah. She's just like, oh, my brother is in love with this guy. Like, I'll just like I shouldn't be with him because he'll just hurt him even more. OK, off the bat, I really liked Will as a character. OK. And then the Rosie, I was just like, I want to like you, but you're making it a little difficult. Yeah. But I'm also trying to be sympathetic since you're a teenage girl and you have this extremely overbearing, slightly emotionally abusive mother who is basically warping your way of thinking and you basically can't make any decisions by yourself because you it's so ingrained in you that you have to do quote unquote the right thing. No, totally. Um I feel like Will and Rosie are I don't want to say like stereotypical mm, characters, but they kind of are. I've read so many books where you have your bad boy who drives a motorcycle and you have a very impressionable young female character this has come up in several books but i really feel like they did a very good job of um they being the author obviously did a very good job at giving us enough background into why rosie is the way that she is which i really appreciated because there's other books like um you again where we get bits of background as to like why the characters are the way they are but like having Having this book kind of span the entirety of their like young adult into adult lives really was able to kind of provide more context and give the characters that like or provide rather the readers that foundation as to like understanding why they're so fucked up. If that makes I sense. agree. No, I agree. And I think it's really interesting because in the very beginning, they try to paint Will as this quote unquote bad boy character because of mm-hmm. the way he looks and stuff like that. And one of the biggest like mystery elements is that he got suspended when he was in middle school mm-hmm. and nobody knows why. And so there's all these rumors that fly around of like he got into a fight, he beat up mm-hmm. somebody, like things mm-hmm. like that. And he just garnered this terrible reputation. But like yeah. he's not a bad boy in any way. Like, yeah, he rides a motorcycle, but he's just like a depressed, sad teenager who is antisocial and everybody thinks is like tough and out to get them or whatever and also like he does sleep around with girls Mm -hmm. um because he's just like girls just come up to me and they want to have sex and so i say yes like (laughs) it's as simple as that (laughs) like yeah it's actually very funny because painted will out to be this like bad boy but i was not getting any of that coming through and i think that was on purpose because the way the way you said it you're like yeah you know he like got kicked out of school and but a lot of his actions or rather his interactions with the characters did not come off as like oh this boy this is like a bad boy <laughs> it's just kind of like his reputation precedes yeah him. no he's just like a normal a normal shy kid yeah. who has had just like a shitty upbringing because his dad left when he was like a baby And Mm -hmm. then his mom left him and his sister when he was, like, six years old. And, like, his sister was, like, a baby. And then he was raised by his grandparents. And then his grandfather dies a couple years before the story begins. So, like, when Mm -hmm. he was a teenager. Um, So he's dealt with a lot of things 
and everybody just has this terrible image of him and that's what makes it so frustrating because rosie's mom is just like i don't want you associating with my children like you are gutter trash like what are you doing in my house and she has that pretentious air about her that was so effing annoying yeah no rosie's mom is literally like the worst character i've read in a very long time all right and now the after so rosie is now at oxford and she is struggling with a lot of mental health issues she isn't able to sleep much but she has been making a bit of a community at school she starts dating this man named simon who is just fine he is sensible and incredible um if you don't know those are lyrics from taylor swift's um and that's the way he loved me you think i would ever put those words together millie be fucking for real we're looking at our notes those words would never come to mind yeah and the book very much gives off that vibe where in in the song um obviously the author taylor Swift is talking about how she's dating this man who's like he is he gets the door for me and he has like a great time with my parents and but i don't love him as passionately as like a former love and that's kind of a reoccurring mm, topic in this book he gets along with all of her friends but he is not will will has been dealing with his own shit his grandma's health is deteriorating and he is just like he needs to get away so his birthday is coming up which is also obviously the anniversary of josh's death and he is planning to leave to thailand the day comes and rosie is back in her hometown but she does not want to go home she instead shows up at will's house as will is literally about to leave um rosie and will have been talking kind of on and off while she's at uni but obviously with her um you know building a relationship with people and now being in a relationship um their conversations have like windled i guess so rosie shows up to will's place and they decide to run away to montenegro um so they pretty much they have this like beach vacation (laughs) um as a way to kind of not deal with their present lives rosie doesn't want to deal with her mother she just doesn't want anything to do with that and will is already kind of in a i want to escape mood so it works out great they have a great time at the beach um no one knows where rosie is they explore and they read and they eat and they're very much just cohabitating which is very very sweet and then their vacation just kind of comes to an abrupt end when rosie's mom finds out where she's been this entire time and she is incredibly furious that she's been with will and you get a lot of how could you how could you be with your brother's murderer and it's like mom that's not what happened so, like, this part was interesting because the, the pacing of it really slowed down for me a lot because we had Rosie going to university and starting that. And, like, she and Will have that distance, but at the same time, she's extremely codependent on him because yeah. he's the only person that she feels comfortable with where she doesn't have to fake being okay mm-hmm. or fake being all right. And um, with Simon, that the fact that she's dating him, he doesn't know anything about her past. He doesn't even know that she had a twin brother that died and that it's only been like a year and that she's still dealing with the grief. Um, she really just has like this second life. But then with Will, she's able to be herself. And they, again, are talking all the time at night because she has terrible insomnia and can't sleep. And they're like forming their friendship again, where they're, they clearly still very much like each other. 
But Will is just being very patient with Rosie's grieving process and accepts, you know, she's dating someone else. It's fine. At least I get to be her friend. And then Rosie shows up, stays at his place for weeks. The grandmother is such an amazing character because she's just like, um, you can stay here, honey, as long as you want. Just <laughs> is like anybody going to be looking for you? Like, are we going to have missing posters around town? And Rosie's just like, no, everybody thinks that, like, I'm with my parents and my parents think that I'm with Simon, so it's fine. And she just, like, gets to have that breather and it's so sweet, like, her staying with them. And then I did like their their beach little getaway vacation was also really cute. It, the pacing during this section was fine for me. Um, You can kind of tell how much Millie enjoyed this book versus how much I enjoyed this book, by the way, I'm recapping <laughs> I have a bone to pick with these characters, um, which we can we can discuss after. But mm. no, because like the thing that I'm the most pissed about is honestly Rosie and Simon. That's the thing that I'm the most upset about in this book because I like I didn't have anything against Simon or anything like that because he's just supposed to be this normal character that you're supposed to have zero feelings about. Yeah. But I was just like at this point when she was like staying with Will in his house, I was like girly pop you're in a relationship with someone and you're not cheating technically but you're also staying at this random guy's house when your boyfriend thinks you're at your parents house for weeks because understandably you're grieving and you're going through like a mental breakdown Mm -hmm. um but i was just like stop being in a relationship with him you shouldn't have been in one to begin with like you don't even like this guy and, mm-hmm. like, you clearly don't even want to be with this guy since you just showed up to Will's house instead. And the fact that she's like, I think I'm going to quit college. I don't want to do this anymore. And her mother basically, like, convinces her to go back to college. And she just, like, continues to date Simon. I'm just like, I was so frustrated by this point. Rosie is incredibly codependent. And that's something that, like, continues throughout the book. She's very codependent and she's very indecisive and is currently trying and is always trying to make the right decision despite what might be like best in that situation she's always trying to make sure like everybody is pleased and everyone's okay um and that was one of the things that like really pissed me off about her i really 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 wish i i feel like a lot of these characters like rosie and then um the main character in um normal people they lack female friends telling them hey you're being stupid oh my god no because i was like okay if i was staying at my you know ex high school little boyfriend's house while having a boyfriend my friends would be like what the fuck are you doing literally what are you doing like we understand that you're grieving but this is not the right way to go about it and rosie didn't have a female character like a female friend that was present enough in her life to be like girl get your shit together you know and that's what yeah. pisses me off about this book. She has her best friend, Marley. And yeah. her friend is basically like her best girlfriend throughout the entire book. But she keeps her at such an arm's length. She never yeah. actually tells her anything that ha- is happening in her life. Any of her feelings. She's just so superficial with her. So yeah. like it makes sense. Like she doesn't really have any friends that she feels comfortable talking to except for Will. But then she refuses to like give into her feelings towards him romantic feelings because it's quote-unquote like not the right thing to do because of her brother and things like that and i'm just like i get it but i don't you can't shit where you eat you can't have your 
only emotional support be the person who you are romantically involved with. Like you are setting yourself up for failure. I speak from experience. Like having a super long term like high school boyfriend, you can't have that also be your best friend. It is literally going to result in you being so fiercely lonely going into your like late teens, early 20s. You need to be able to build a community of people who are able to support you through all of this. And Rosie very much clung on to Will for so much of this story. It almost felt like emotionally manipulative. Like she knew Will was going to be there, period. Will is such a solid, great friend. And she knew that. And I feel like she exploited that. And that's what pissed me off about this fucking book. Okay, sorry. Continue. Continue. The after after. And no, and that makes sense because that also irritated me so much because Rosie therefore was like, an unlikable character but mm-hmm. like i said i still i don't know i still enjoyed this book even though i was frustrated with the character's decisions okay so moving on to the second half of this story so we're talking about the after after so rosie goes back to her life in oxford she graduates she and simon continue to date he proposes to her she has the audacity to say yes and they decide to get married um so naturally will is like hey you know what maybe this is the point where we stop being friends because like we're friends but we're not friends because you know that i'm in love with you so i need to like not be in contact with you anymore because now you're going to be a married woman and it's not right anymore and i was like so proud of will in this moment for like taking the stance to do that setting a boundary setting a boundary yes a very healthy boundary and she was so upset about why he didn't show up to her wedding be fucking for real and i was like uh simon that should have been your first clue um that will is not like just like her brother okay (laughs) all right so rosie gets married to simon And she and Will stop talking completely after this. Will moves away from their hometown and he becomes a park ranger. Um, While Rosie has a job in the city as a consultant manager. Um, While Simon works in investments. And they start the little little, little white picket fence life. Um, Mm -hmm. So Will, who's up in the mountains, starts dating Jane. Who learns all about Rosie the first night that Will and Jane meet. um, Because they both kind of get drunk at a bar. Will spills his entire life story to her and they end up dating for five years. Um, She basically just moves in with him and they're like kind of roommates, kind of dating in a very weird kind of casual but serious way. Um, And Will is even kind of considering proposing to Jane, but doesn't know if it's the right choice because their entire relationship is very um, not defined. So then Rosie is absolutely miserable over the last couple of years. Um, She's been getting skinny just to please her mother and is on these crazy diets. She doesn't like her job at all and she pretty much hates her life. Um, There's even conversations where she's narrating all of these little tiny and like things that her husband does that just pisses her off for no reason. I was like, you don't like him. Like, he was fine before, but now you pretty much, like, dislike him. So why are you married to this man? And it's crazy because the things that she's describing are things that any man would do or sweet. Yes. (laughs) Yes. And the only reason she's bothered by it is because it's not Will. I feel bad for Simon because Simon is so oblivious. He does not understand that Rosie doesn't love him. Like, never really liked him. 
She was just okay with him. And he is like legitly in love with her. So the plot thickens when Will gets the news from Amber that their grandmother has died. So she had previously gotten cancer, had beaten the cancer, and then two years later, she passes away just due to old age. So he goes back into town and the two of them, Will and Amber, prepare the funeral. So Jane accompanies him and it's the first time that Jane is back with him in his hometown. Um, he sees Rosie again for the first time in five years when she sings an original song in honor of his grandmother. So Amber secretly invited Rosie um, to the funeral and to perform, but she never told Will. And so Will is shocked to see her there. Um, and he can't stop staring at Rosie the entire time because he's still in love with her. And Jane realizes that, oh, shit, he never got over Rosie. Um, and she breaks up with him because she realizes that she's never going to get that from him. Also during the funeral, Amber is revealed to have been in contact with their birth mother. Um, she got her email address from their grandmother years before and is just in very, very like minimal contact with her and invites her to the funeral. And Will has this really tense altercation with her. And then he goes inside to fight with Amber because he's pissed off for inviting their mother to the funeral. And Will and Amber basically stop talking for a period of time. So Rosie hates her life so much that she finally decides to separate from her husband. So she reunites with Will after the funeral and they end up finally kind of getting together. So she moves in with him for the next seven months. They play house together in his grandmother's house. And it's honestly the happiest the two have ever been. Um, Rosie quits her job and she becomes a music teacher and starts to write music again. Will restores this classic piano from the 1920s as a romantic gesture, which was so adorable. And I absolutely love that part. Um, all is well in this like sweet little home romance um, until Rosie gets a call from Simon, who is still technically... Her husband. She's still technically married to him. They just separated. They took a break. Um, and he reveals to her that he has cancer. So Rosie decides to return to Simon as his wife to help him in sickness and in health through this difficult time. Will accepts this and decides to step back to being Rosie's friend again. And in a surprising turn of events, he ends up helping her take care of Simon. So while Rosie's at work... And Simon can't work and he is really sick from the chemo. Uh, Will is the one who's at home taking care of Simon. He's also like driving him to chemo and being there with him during the sessions. Um, and to continue the surprises, Simon is like, hey, you know what? Will is actually not that bad of a guy. I kind of like him. But he's just like, I think Will's my new best friend. So they end up becoming really close and they end up becoming really good friends. However, Simon is still clueless this entire time that Will and Rosie ever even had feelings for each other. Nonetheless, the fact that Will and Rosie were together as a couple during their separation. After a couple of months, Simon is cancer-free and he invites Will to this celebratory dinner um, where he's also telling Rosie that he's really happy that he's better now so they can work on their marriage and he's ready to like move forward past this hiccup. Um, Rosie's really uncomfortable by all of this because let's be clear, she was only there because he got cancer. She did not want to be with him. And Simon starts to ask about her history with Will. So Rosie storms out because it's very clear from Rosie's reactions that she and Will were a thing before. 
And Simon is really confused and feels really betrayed by all of this. And so she storms out and Will is left to tell Simon the truth that he's basically always been in love with Rosie and that they were together during their separation. So Will and Rosie have another confrontation at the lighthouse where they always meet and have their serious conversations. And Will says that he no longer cares if Rosie stays with Simon or leaves him. He's just finally done waiting for her. Dun, dun, dun. Okay, I am just continuously pissed at Rosie through all of this. I understand her, like, finally deciding to leave Simon, but, like, leave, leave. Like, divorce him and then be with Will. And then also she decides to go back to help Simon after he gets cancer. And I understand why she's doing it because she wants to be supportive towards him. But at the same time, like, Simon doesn't understand that you're only there because he has cancer and that you feel this wifely obligation to be there for him. He's seeing this as a second chance for the two of you. And you're just like feeding into this delusion by being there and not being honest with him that you've moved on and that you love somebody else. Or the truth is that you never loved him to begin with. Um, So I'm just like, I'm feeling so frustrated with Rosie in these moments. I hate that this book almost vilifies the one female ca- the lead female character and makes these makes me feel bad for these two men. <laughs> Not us siding with the male gender. I feel bad for these two men. And it pisses me off. I hate feeling bad for the male character. Anyways. Oh my god. Okay. So Simon is the most oblivious, clueless book husband ever ever it literally makes my skin boil i mean my blood it makes my blood boil not my skin boil that is a disgusting visual um simon is like the equivalent of like a golden retriever and very much parallels her dad where he's just kind of there and doesn't do anything wrong but doesn't necessarily do anything right either he's just he plays everything very much by the books um will finally grows a backbone and decides to tell Rosie, hey, I can't be this like a lovesick puppy that you're stringing along. Um, It really fucking infuriated. I'm not going to lie. This chapter, these chapters were literally, I was like, I am so fucking done. Like I am, I don't give a fuck how this book ends. I am so done. Rosie is the worst for not setting these boundaries clear. Like, yes, Simon is sick, but at the same time, have the human decency to tell Simon what is going on and like where you stand. And I know that's a difficult conversation to had have when someone literally has cancer, but I don't know. Like you have to like it also does Simon not have any other family that can help take care of him? No, like they were mentioning in the book the fact that like Simon didn't want to go to his friends or family because yeah. he didn't want them to see him like this. And that's why Rosie's like, well Will can help you because you guys aren't friends and you yeah. don't care how Will views you if you're sick. But also, like, clearly, like, they're not really your friends if they can't see you when you're at your worst. And also your family. Like, I don't know. There's a lot of, like, all there's a lot of shit that goes on with Simon and, like, his character and his personality. It's really upsetting. <laughs> but, yeah, no. My frustrations kind of spiked during this section. It was just Rosie's inability to make a decision and to be candid and vocal 
and straightforward with these two people who are clearly very important to her. That just really upset me. Again, she is dragging Will along as like a fallback plan or like as emotional support while she's dealing with her husband's illness. To make matters worse, Will is kind of low-key being the primary caretaker <laughs> because Rosie is off working. So it's like Rosie wanted to go back and like help Samming and be supportive, but Will ends up being the one making him sandwiches and like cooking for him and hanging out with him on the daily. Like be so fucking for real right now. I okay. What? I personally this was my favorite part of the book was Simon and Will unexpectedly becoming friends. Yeah, that was cute. Um <laughs> I did not see that coming at all. I couldn't have predicted it. And it was so good because the reason why they became good friends because they have nothing in common is yep. because Will wasn't trying to sugarcoat anything and Simon's mm-hmm. like I appreciate you being like kind of honest and kind of like harsh with me because mm-hmm. nobody ever calls me out on my shit. And Will's like, oh, I'll call you out on your shit. You're kind of dull, mate. Like, he's just like, you're kind of boring. And Will just really tells him how he feels <laughs> in terms of, like, how he views Simon as a person. Yeah. And Simon's just like, oh, nobody's ever told me that sometimes I'm pretentious. And Will's like, yeah, you kind of are, mate. And um, they just end up having, like, this really interesting friendship where it, it's just so unexpected for both of them. And, like, Simon instantly latches onto Will because he's just like, I've never had a friend like you before. Like, I really like this. And he's like, can we continue to be friends? And Will's just like, uh, despite telling him so many truths, he still can't tell him the truth about Rosie. Because it's not his place to. I know it's not his place to, but I kind of wish that he did because I- bros before hoes like i kind of wish that simon was just like hey you know what will like i'm starting to like you as a friend too and like i can't do this to you man like i'm in love with your wife like we shouldn't be friends because like i'm in love with your wife um and i kind of wish that he did that and i have rug burn on my knees from when we were having sex on my carpet like hello here's the thing rosie wasn't gonna do it Rosie was going to, like, just go to her grave without ever telling Simon the truth, the fact that she's been in love with Will her whole life um, and that she's never really loved him. And so I kind of wish that Will was the one who did it because then at least somebody would have been honest to Simon. Um, And it was like, Rosie's not going to do it. So I wish that Will could have just done it. Um, And, I mean, he ended up having to be the one to do it anyways because Rosie storms out of the restaurant and Will's like, yeah, it's true. We have feelings for each other. Good day, mate. Okay, but now it's time for Will slander because Will is like the worst boyfriend ever to Jane or Jean, whatever her name was. Uh He's the worst boyfriend ever. Like this girl drops everything to be at your grandma's funeral. She literally drops everything to be there for you and she's playing the good girlfriend role. She's, you know, making small chat with cousins who you have never seen before and you're just going to dump her? Here's the thing. I was feeling kind of torn about this because in the beginning, I was feeling really, really sympathetic towards her because even when Amber came to visit and they had been dating for like two years, Mm -hmm. Amber was like, "Mm, she's already history, (laughs) which was so fucking brutal to say because she's just like, yeah, like she's not Rosie. Like, what are you doing with this girl if Rosie's out there? And he's like, Rosie's married. And she's like, well like rosie's your end game like she's your other half and like this girl isn't her and so like she never had a chance from the beginning and i felt so bad for her but then when they were breaking up 
Rosie, not Rosie, uh, Jane was mentioning, she's just like, I mean, I knew about Rosie from the very beginning. I knew that when we met, you were getting over someone that you had been in love with for years and years and mm-hmm. years that you couldn't be with. And she's like, I knew all of that going into it. And I was still trying to see if I could be the one to change your mind to like start mm-hmm. over with mm-hmm. and kind of competing with. So it's kind of like she she kind of knew what she was getting into, but at the same time, Will wasn't trying enough and he was kind of stringing her along because if yeah. he wasn't feeling it then he shouldn't have been with her the scale of like how much i hate each character very significantly with my biggest chunk of hatred going to rosie and her mother like <laughs> yes i think i it's really interesting because it's like i get so frustrated with all of these characters decisions but mm-hmm. at the same time the way that this book is written it allows me to understand why each character made the decision they made. And even if I don't agree with it, I feel like the setup for it and the way that it was written was just done so well that it gave justification for why all the characters did the things they did. Like, in their minds, they made the right choice. They made the right call. Um, And you as the reader can say, like, oh, yeah, no, they didn't make the right call. Mm -hmm. But I feel like the way that everything was set up was done in a way that it really lended itself to having like a lot of logic in the character's decisions. And mm-hmm. that's why I ended up scoring it high in logic. That's the one thing we were really different on. Mm-hmm. And it's because I feel like if these characters were just making these random ass decisions and there wasn't enough of the backstory or the context for the trauma or their emotional reasons why they were making this, then it would just feel really random. But I feel like because the setup was there, the logic aspect of the character's decision was there as well. Mm-hmm. I think I gave it a low logic score because I felt like the decisions were not justified. Mm, Okay, so for you, it wasn't justified enough. Yes, I wanted to literally shake Rosie and be like, girl, be so fucking for real. Like, you need to make, like, what are you doing? You, I, I felt a lot of sympathy for Will because... He was just an emotional punching bag. He was always there for Rosie. And yes, she's gone through shit, but like, that's not a reason for you to be so almost emotionally manipulative. Like, use someone like that. Like, it was really upsetting to me how she was just like, she could always fall back on Will, and Will was just like open arms, willing to like take whatever. It, it was incredibly frustrating. I was like, I wanted to be like, girl, just fucking, you need, you need, you need to tell your husband, okay? You need to tell your husband, and you need to divorce your husband, and then you need to actually tell Will how you feel because you're just playing house, but you still haven't told him how you feel. God, I was, yeah. there was so much frustration. I just wanted the characters to talk. I wanted Rosie to talk. And Rosie was doing a whole lot of actions, but not a lot of talking. She stormed away from dinner. Like, what? It That doesn't make sense. You're an adult woman. I understand. Okay, not the storming out part, but I understand like Rosie's <laughs> hesitation with divorcing her husband. And this is this is why. Because she is so determined to mm-hmm. please her mother. She has, like, the biggest yeah. mommy issues ever. Yeah. And she just yeah. wants her mother's love and support mm-hmm. and validation because her brother was the golden child. And everything he did was the right decision. He got away with everything. And everything that Rosie did was the wrong decision. And her mother always had something to pick on and critique on. 
mm-hmm. she just wants to make her mother proud of her. And one of the things is that, like, having, like, a, quote, good husband and a good married life was, like, really important for her mother. Therefore, it became important for her. And there was a part where her mother, who is a divorce lawyer, by the way, um, she goes to her office and is basically telling her, like, I think I want to divorce my husband because I don't love him anymore. And the mom's like, well, you don't have to love him, you, but you have to stick together in a marriage because that's just what you do. It doesn't mean you have to like the person all the time. And she's like, don't you and dad love each other? And she's like, we tolerate each other. We're good companions sometimes. Yep. And I'm just like, you can clearly tell that they don't love each other whatsoever and that they're At just all. in this marriage and mm-hmm. don't leave it. And that's her prime example of like what a marriage should look like. Yeah. It doesn't have to be all like love and passion all the time. It's just like you pick a person and then you stick with them. Um, And so I can see her hesitation with divorcing Simon because that's just been so ingrained in her upbringing. It still pisses me off, though. Oh, yeah, it does, too. Like, again, Rosie can very, from that interaction alone, Rosie can very clearly see that her mom is not happy. And then, like, Rosie can also see how this has affected her mom and how this has affected her dad and how then this, therefore, also affected her, like, as a child. So she has the opportunity to break the cycle. She has opportunity to like divorce her husband and, you know, find like happiness for herself. But she still doesn't. And I think this is, again, her codependent nature of needing something or someone there to like mm-hmm. continue on. And again, Rosie has a plethora of like mental health issues that also there's nuance in this book, which I really appreciate. <laughs> yeah, I really enjoy that because... These are such flawed characters, and I think that they're good characters Mm -hmm. in the sense that they're written with all of these flaws that feel very human and feel very relatable. And Mm -hmm. I and I think that's part of the reason why I like the book is because I think that it was it was written well and Mm -hmm. that these are characters that you're not necessarily like you want to root for them because you want them to be together because this Mm -hmm. is a romance. But at the same time, it's just like. No, only be together if you guys are like the right people for each other in the right place in time because they were dealing with their own individual stuff because Will does go through therapy. He gets on medication for the first time to deal with his anxiety and his depression. He starts conquering all of his past with um, suicidal ideation because that and we finally get it revealed halfway through the book that the reason why he was mysteriously suspended was because he had tried to end his life in the school bathroom. And that's the reason why he got, he wasn't suspended, but he was like told to stay home from school to recover from just like the mental and physical aspect of what he did. Um, But then everybody took to these rumors because nobody knew the truth of what happened. Um, And that's how he got his whole reputation in the first place. But he was dealing with all of that and like finally coming to terms with like getting therapy and getting help and realizing that he was just a depressed teen for the longest time and that he has a lot of baggage and that he needs to work through it. So I was proud of Will because he was spending his 20s working through his shit and trying to figure out like his meaning of happiness, his pursuit of happiness. And I wish that Rosie had been on an equal trajectory. Like I wish that at the same time that Will was finding himself and coming to terms with his baggage that Rosie was also doing the same, but she just ends up doing it a lot later than Will. And that's the thing that's so frustrating. All right. So moving on to a couple years later. So we're at like the end part, the last like 10% of the book. So at this point, Rosie and Will have stopped talking to each other again for a couple more years. 
Um, during this time, Rosie officially divorces Simon. And she decides to live her life for the first time um, the way that she always wanted to. And so she basically quits her job and she moves to Vienna to start over. And she ends up playing her music at different bars and considers attending a music academy like she always dreamed of when she was younger. Um, So in an ironic turn of events, Will was always the one that wanted to travel the world. And Rosie basically gets to do that which was a little unfair. So um, unfair. Will. So unfair. <laughs> I know. Justice for Will. He, every time he wanted to travel abroad, Rosie came back into town and he's just like, never mind, I just wasted money on this plane ticket. It's so annoying. <sighs> it pissed me off so many. It happened twice, I think. Yeah. Oh, God. So then Will um, stays in their hometown. So um, Will and Amber sold their grandmother's house and he used half of the money to open up his own garage to fix up bikes. So he starts his own business and he lives a really simple life. Um, he no longer really has random casual sex with women. He just has a few friends um, and he's living a really simple life, but he's he's happy with it. So on Will's birthday, which is the anniversary of Josh's passing, Rosie calls him uh, once again. And she tells him that she actually got into one of the most prestigious music academies. And Will is genuinely happy for her because he knows that Rosie's always wanted to do something like that. And so Will is walking to their lighthouse spot um, where they've always had their conversations before. And it's just been like their place. And he goes over there and he's talking to Rosie on the phone when he realizes that Rosie is there, like physically there at the lighthouse. And he's surprised to see her since the last time he heard about her she had moved to vienna so rosie's there in person and they put down their phones and they talk in in real life and rosie pulls the ultimate rom-com move and she's basically said like she turned down the music academy that she got into and realized that all she wants in life is to be with will she just wants to be with him and do her music and live the happy domestic life that they were doing um before and Will basically says, okay. And they finally live happily ever after. And that's legitly the end of the book. It's just Will accepting her back. You may rage now. Because Will will always accept her back. Will is always going to accept Rosie back in his life. And Rosie once again makes a stupid decision by leaving everything she's been working for for this man because she knows he's always going to be there. It's a safe bet. It. I. This is another case where I did not want the characters to end up together. Honestly, me too. Like, I was, I legitly thought that they were not going to end up together, that that's the way that this book was just going to go. Um, And I was perfectly happy with that. Like, I thought the book was going to end where Rosie calls him, like, on Will's birthday, on the anniversary and stuff like that. And they just decide to be friends in the sense where, like, they, they just call each other once a year. Mm -hmm. um on Mm -hmm. josh's passing and but they Mm -hmm. both live their lives in completely separate and different ways and Mm -hmm. i would have been okay with that honestly no me too i really i was really really hoping that they weren't going to end up together not because i don't love a happily ever of course i love a happily ever after i just don't think realistically this is again where the logic comes in realistically i don't think that after all of that emotional up and down and emotional abuse you are going to just 
accept someone back in your life and then not have insane amounts of trust issues. I kind of wish, and it's not that I wanted the book to be any longer because I actually thought this book was too long, but it's more like I wish that the timeline had been shorter, that we had kind of like that time jump where we see that Rosie goes through her whole um, journey of Mm self-discovery, finds Mm -hmm. herself, all that stuff. And it's like 10 years later or something like that when Will and Rosie kind of like reunite again. And you kind of see that they are able to be something healthy. And I just Mm -hmm. don't quite see that 100% yet because we just haven't seen it from Rosie's end. We know that Will Mm -hmm. can lead a healthy lifestyle and a healthy relationship with her because he's gone through the motions. He's done the work to better himself. Mm -hmm. But we just saw the beginning of that with Rosie. And so I feel like in order to really make it fair, they should have had a bigger, not like a bigger time jump, but like really for us to have seen Rosie have that development. Yes, because while Rosie is gone and she's in Vienna, what do we learn about her during that time that she's gone? We learn that she's been hooking up with this random person. We learn that she's been focusing on music. We learn that she's been teaching. That's it. That's it. (laughs) Has she gone to therapy? No. Has she decided to focus on her... Has she come to terms with, you know, her twin brother's passing? No. Also, we finally get the revelation that um, Rosie, like, turned down Will forever ago because of Josh. Like, she finally tells Will that Josh is gay and that's why she turned... Like, it takes the entire book... Yeah, no, she should have told him a lot sooner. Like, I understand her not wanting to out her brother, like, after his passing. But I think that after, like, the first couple of years of them being in college and not being together and her still, like, not wanting to be with him, to let him go, she should have told him the truth of, like, why she can never be with him. Because every time she sees him, she thinks of her brother. And because her brother was in love with him and she feels like she'll betray him. And that should have been enough of a reason to let go in the beginning yeah and honestly for all we know josh could have gotten over that like crush and like would have been happy for them being together this book oh it's beautifully written i will say the atmosphere is a gloomy little town and oxford and it's great but i just i could not get past these characters decisions and and that's the thing is that i feel like if this book wasn't written so well, I would have hated this book. Like, if it wasn't written well, if I didn't Mm. enjoy the writing so much, if I didn't like the atmosphere of it so much, and if I didn't like the plot setup of it, this book would have easily been a two-star. Easily. Because I would have hated the characters and their decisions and everything. But this book is still a five-star for me. It's still a low five-star for me. And is it going to be one of Mm. my, my favorites of the year? I'm not entirely sure about that yet. Because there is definitely, like, a lot of flaws with the characters that could impede the enjoyment of the book. But in terms of it being, like, a book that I read that I enjoyed with how it was written and presented to me as the reader, I still really love this book. That makes me really happy. I like that you liked it. With that being said, because it's compared to normal people so much, I do not think you would like normal people. Probably not. Probably not. (laughs) It's significantly shorter. In normal people, there's no real rhyme or reason why the characters don't just shut up and talk to each other. That, that That's not a thing that happened. Like, there's, like, in this book, we had, you know, her bomb, and we have Josh. 
as like a catalyst for like they're kind of falling apart when they're young. That does not happen to normal people. That is not there. Um, there's not enough like substantial and not enough background um, to like justify their like lack of conversation, I guess. This book did do a very good job at providing that context, which again is, I believe, it's saving grace. <laughs> yeah. And I believe this is a debut novel. Yeah. It's incredibly like powerful as a debut novel it's really impressive yeah i was seeing a lot of negative reviews of people who didn't like the book because they felt like the comparison to normal people was just like that this book wasn't on par with it but then also a lot of people were um not liking the writing which i found interesting i thought the writing was great (laughs) i liked it too i really did like i i thought it was the appropriate writing style for this tone of book um but so many people were like it feels like fan fiction Fan fiction can be written well, but I think people were catching up on the fan fiction vibe of it because it had that very strong teenage angst that we associated with fan fiction. Um, But no, I didn't have any issues with the writing. All right, Millie, final thoughts. All right. Um, So with this book, I still really, really enjoy it. It's still a low five stars for me. And I'm glad I read it because I never would have picked up this book by myself. At the beginning of this episode, I said, I don't know whether I'm going to give it four or three stars. It's definitely a three star for me. I could not get behind these characters. I love unlikable characters. I love chaotic, messy characters. This was just, for some reason, the borderline between the fiction of it all and like how realistic these characters were supposed to come off as was just not it wasn't meeting the right kind of side of the boundary for me so it's a three star for me unfortunately that's okay but what do we have what do we have up next um so we are reading couplets by maggie milner which is a collection it's a poetry collection um which is something new because we've never reviewed um poetry um on this podcast before it's so completely left field. <laughs> um, this was just a recommendation that I got. Um, I was listening, well, I was watching a YouTube video. Um, Jack Edwards, I love his YouTube video, his YouTube channel. He's amazing. Um, and he recommended this book as one of his faves from last year. So I was like, I think we need to change it up a bit and do some poetry. I don't, I don't know. We'll, we'll see how this goes. It's going to be really interesting to see how we interpret the poetry and how that affects our enjoyment of the book. Oh, absolutely. I'm so nervous for next episode. (laughs) All right. If you like today's episode and you would like to listen to the rest of our catalog, you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Pocket Cast. On Spotify, we would super duper appreciate it if you were to give us a five-star rating. That would make us incredibly happy. We also have a comment box on Spotify where you can leave all your book recommendations, book suggestions. It's amazing. You tell us what to read and we will for sure check it out. Millie, where can people find us on the internet? Um, you can find us on TikTok at the books we meet in the lib. And you guys can find us on Instagram under the books we meet in the library, um, as well as on threads with the books we meet in the library. Additionally, Greta, where can they find you? You can find me at Greta's Favorite Things all over the internet. I'm primarily active on TikTok. Millie, where can people find you? You guys can find me on my booktube channel, Into the Nook, as well as on Instagram at Into the Nook Realm. That was a really, really good episode. 
and I am really excited for the rest of the books we have in store for this year. I'm so excited. We will be back in two weeks with our first poetry reading, <laughs> Couplets by Maggie Milner. We will see you then. Go check out your books at your local library. Go check them out at a local indie store. You know the drill. We will talk to you later. Bye. Bye. Bye.